Welcome to Season 2 of IVF Tales. I'm your host, Simone. This podcast was created with the intention of making the world of infertility a little less lonely. Each episode will have a new guest share their IVF journey, sharing some of the most courageous, surprising, intimate and saddest moments of their lives. It's real and raw, it's IVF Tales. Hey everyone, my next guest, Ali, is a friend of mine. We actually met during our simultaneous IVF journeys. I think you guys are going to gain a lot of knowledge, insight, and hope from Ali's story. So let's not waste any more time because we have a lot of content to cover. So hi, Ali. Hey, Simone. How are you going? Thank you for having me. Oh, no worries. It's a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I thought I would bring uh, my wealth of experience and knowledge as an older mother to uh, your podcast, and hopefully I will help people along this journey, in particular in reference to older mothers having or older women having babies. Fantastic. So I guess I could start with my journey, um, just a little spill about myself. Um, I have... A brand new baby who's now eight months old um, but I also have three other children who are 20 years old and twins that are 17 years old so I have a massive age gap for um, between obviously my little one who's eight months and my twins who are 17 and so I thought that maybe I could talk about how it's like to be an older mum but also have a vast age of children. Um, how's that sound? Sounds great. Okay, perfect. Uh, so I was very young when I had my first child, uh, Maya, and um, she. I was in my early 20s and as most um, women do in their early 20s, I had little experience, uh, had basically no money but was very optimistic about being a young mum and I fell pregnant within the first month (laughs) and it was quite relatively simple. Um, She came out into this world with a rush and yeah I just navigated being a young mum and then um, and then I had twins about three years later all girls and Unfortunately, uh, in life, I'm statistical in my marriage fell through and I did single parent for a long while before I met my second um, partner and he is younger than me. So it was uh, no surprise that we decided that we would try for another baby. Uh, So yeah, I hit my 40s and uh, thought that maybe it would happen quickly because I've had three children and unfortunately it didn't and it completely changed our lives to understanding what it's like to be infertile and having to have fertility treatments uh, and what it's like as on my body being in my early 40s Uh, how that would impact me emotionally, mentally and physically. So I guess I will start with 
how we came about to starting our journey. And we started in 2019 where I spontaneously had a miscarriage. Well, I didn't know I was pregnant until my periods didn't arrive. And then we tested and we were pregnant. We were very super excited. And six weeks into our pregnancy, we had a spontaneous miscarriage. And that opened up to our yeah our lives of looking at well we've been having um, unprotected sex for 12 months and I've only felt fallen pregnant Um, maybe we should look into it further and that took us on to the IVF journey um, and we researched who we were going to go with Uh, being on the Gold Coast we went with Keong and that opened our doors to the pathway of you know, over two years of IVF and we, um, yeah, and so the, September I had another miscarriage, December I had endometriosis surgery, uh, February was our first egg collection, so we had the rest of January off um, and then we started our egg collection, our first egg collection which was um, quite significant. We got I, I got sixteen eggs, which I was very pleased. <laughs> being in early early forties, you hear all these big stories, don't you, Simone? How a lot of women, unfortunately, don't um, have the yeah. The, usually, the you think I think usually an average egg pickup for someone in their forties is odd, like definitely less than ten. Like what, five to eight, I reckon. So 16 was pretty cool. Yeah, we were pretty optimistic. We were thinking, wow, this is going to be it. And we ended up with four at the end, which was, which was very thankful that we even got four. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did surprise me having 16 and only having four. Uh, but two of them were, we got genetically tested, were not viable. So in the end, we ended up having two, uh, but still two that we were pretty optimistic. Um, and then it was late March, we decided to do a transfer. And then we fell pregnant straight away. And we were thinking, wow, this is amazing. But not long into that pregnancy, a couple of months and then in the May we had the miscarriage again and I was mm. very surprised by that Simone because yeah. I it was a perfectly healthful healthy normal egg it was genetically tested to be top A grade A, a B grade yeah just you know surprised over, excited that I could produce these type of eggs but very surprised that when we had that miscarriage it, it being um, or being in the science field myself and health care, I, I thought this isn't normal. How can you have an attachment and how can you be going along swimmingly and then all of a sudden you have a spontaneous miscarriage, you know, around the seven, eight, eight-week mark. And even our specialist was surprised by that. And it wasn't until that moment was where we the turning point came. Everything was okay and then all of a sudden after that I I thought something's not right here because this this isn't normal for having you know a genetically normal um, attachment 
of of um, embryo and then all of a sudden something. And I think being that bit older, you do tend to look within and you go, something doesn't feel right. And also having three children before, two pregnancies before, I, I felt something wasn't right. Um, call it intuition, call it, you know, my body remembering, but I felt something wasn't right. And that's where we got further testing done. And that's where we found out we were TQ alpha, um, partial TQ alpha compatible. Mm-hmm. Did um Todd, sorry, should, am I saying his name? Yes. <laughs> I yes, just said Todd. it. Um, yeah. When you first started IVF, did Todd have any um, investigations? Yeah, we did get that. And, and surprisingly, um, what I've found on a few of the sites on Facebook, a lot of people don't ask for these and, and I highly recommend you getting in touch with your specialist and writing a waiver form to get your reports done on your, uh, get your access to your reports done on your embryos and also your sperm analysis. And I say this because it allows you to optimise your own input to your treatment, whether or not you have natural remedies or natural pathways that you consider as part of your treatment plan, which we did, um, or whether or not you want to just see uh, how what's happening and do your own research. And I very highly recommend doing your own research because that's where you tend to gain knowledge. Knowledge is a lot in through an IVF journey. Knowledge is everything through IVF journey. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree, Simone? Oh, definitely. <laughs> knowledge is power. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and that's where yeah that's where we grew and and you know learnt a lot, um, so we did yeah so the testing done on Todd's sperm analysis didn't come back great after mm-hmm. I accessed the reports and no one told us this um, it wasn't until I oh. read the reports and saw it I went wow you have you your sperm count isn't that crash hot but your your actual morphology of your sperm itself. Yeah, wasn't wasn't looking great. Yeah, so yeah, we is had that two why is that why um, when you did IVF, did you do ICSI? We did. Yeah, yeah. So that probably you know ticked that box. Um, so then you had your laparoscopy for your endo, and then you did your egg pickup. That's correct. Had yeah. the miscarriage with a PGS embryo. So then we've gone to have the DQ alpha gene testing and then found out you guys are a match. How did you guys feel when you got those results? Yeah, very disheartened, very Mm. um, just disheartened in a way of, oh, here's another hurdle, you know. not, Not only have we read the reports and seen, okay, my quality of eggs are not presenting that crash well even though everything else looks good on the picture and his sperm reading that that wasn't great Mm -hmm. and then having the dq alpha so i think most people by that stage um go okay well what do we do now and and you know it's a big choice because i think you go along the treatment pathway and do the immune protocol or you do the immune protocol and not do the treatment pathway with um what is recommended with um, DQ Alpha. But we decided, look, we're going to give it all because mm. we don't have much time. Well, that's how you see it in your own mind, I think. You don't have much time. You want to get as much as you can 
and and try as much as you can because if it doesn't work then we need to up the treatment protocol or we need to make changes here or there mm. and then we were hit with covid and <laughs> that was as many people along the same journey we couldn't go anywhere to get our DQ alpha treatment our injections um so it was like a big heavy weight of a stop yeah and I remember our... all this so that was would have been what's 20 20 2000 yeah 2020 that happened so that that's happened. right yeah yeah the shutdown of borders yeah June June July and that yeah you know it was quite significant because if you wanted to proceed with your plan you had to either go to Sydney under immune specialist or to to Melbourne and our own IVF specialist um, said that they didn't want to pursue putting any trialing any more eggs until we saw uh, sorry trial transferring any more embryos until we saw one of the specialists in immune protocols so mm-hmm. how long did you have to wait um well six months yeah six months until we got down there a bit actually a bit over a bit over six months yeah um so we just kept trying naturally and um no we yeah it didn't obviously work but it gave us time to look at and it was really frustrating it was a really frustrating time and you know I think you can yeah it, it Tension becomes quite heightened because, you know, Todd's very much um, <laughs> what will be will be. Mm. If we're meant to have a baby, we're meant to have a baby and it's okay if we don't. But when you're on the journey and you see the end goal and you and this is this is your decisions of what you foresee your pathway and, and decisions about, you know, having that little one to, you know, to bring into your life and knowing you're older and knowing – you know, you, 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 you're getting older and it was very confronting for me um, in a way of not being in control, you know, not being able to, having to wait six months just, you know, and not being able to have that control of, well, we want a baby now and mm-hmm. I don't want to be getting any older, you know, I've only got limited time and, yeah, it was very, very emotional so but you know we got there in six months time we um got to see our immune specialist down in victoria and was popped on the immune protocol but then they went down into shutdown again so we were scrambling to find to see if we could get to sydney to see dr matthias oh yes i remember this yeah and so we had to have a written referral and i literally begged them on the phone saying I need my second um, treatment shots because we've had our first and now I can't get back to Melbourne yes that's right so we we literally got the okay and 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 he he said he'll see us and we packed up the car and drove you know nine hours to -hmm. get there just to get the second dose of our, our um you know, our treatment. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty full on. Uh, it was like drop everything, we have to go now, um, you know, and having older kids, you know, at that stage, oh, what were they? 
oh, were they 15, 14, 14? Um, you know, it's very hard to, you know, drop everything and go now. But, uh, you know, we didn't really have a choice if we wanted to have the second dosing of our treatment. And that was everything to us. Um, of course. I think after waiting six months, doing one dose and then needing the second before you could do anything further, like, yeah, you would have done anything. And because you lived, yeah, you live in New South Wales, so you were able just to drive down to Sydney. You didn't have to worry about crossing borders or getting on a plane or whatever. Yeah, that's correct. We live in yep. northern New South Wales. So, um, yeah, we got to just jump in a car and drive down um, because we couldn't catch a plane out of here. Uh, so that made it in one respect you know, good, but in the other respect, having to change to another specialist and then they have a different protocol that put us in a very political element between our IVF specialist and two immune specialists trying to have treatments. And I just remember the next month after getting back, it was very tense and very political about what we were allowed to do in our immune protocol and what we weren't allowed to do. And I felt like we were a meat between in between the sandwich, if that makes sense, because yep. I was being um, told that I had to sign waiver forms for this treatment and I couldn't get this treatment through my specialist. I had to go back through one of the, the, one of the immune protocol specialists. It was a nightmare for the next six weeks after that, just A, trying to get it all sorted, having the IVS specialist accept the, the arrangement of treatments to move forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that, that nearly broke me because all I could see was – what is the best for our situation? Why can't we all work together? Yeah. Um, and like I said, at the back of your mind, you still got that, hang on a minute, a whole nother eight, nine months is passing here. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm heading, you know, in further into my 40s and we're not getting further along the track and we only have one egg left, mm. you know. And that that's a real confronting um yeah, feeling of that and then going, okay, if this doesn't work, how am I going to, you know, where should we do another lot of treatment? And then so from that moment on, we decided we would do some more egg collecting. Oh, uh, while you waited. Yeah, yeah. To get it all sorted. Yep. yep. And just to not waste any more time, banks and embryos. Yeah. 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 We, we decided we'd do that. Um, yeah. And how did you go with those um I remember, I don't remember it right now, but knowing back, I probably would have known all the details, but retell it for everyone yeah, listening. So, so I got, I think it was 14, 14 eggs and I had one C grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very confronting because we went from a really good, you know, AB to having four down to two and then getting one, you know, C graded embryo mm. um, yeah that couldn't be tested uh, okay and I just said to Todd what is going on here and of course all my heightens of being older that one year and a bit on and mm. saying oh my gosh this is completely changed again um, so we ordered the reports again you know I signed um, 
documents to get the the lab to send us through their embryo report and his his morphology of his sperm report. And we and I reanalyzed those and and yeah, it wasn't good. We had a lot of um, early um, early embryos not doing well and. By this stage, his morphology changed again. And so mm-hmm. he had um, double heads and things like that. So yep. we also used that time. We read the book from uh, Rebecca Fett. It starts with the egg. And mm-hmm. that was really helpful learning about different, um, you know, natural therapies. And we we did that by the book because we thought, well, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to give it our all. You know, and I went off dairy really tidied up my diet and and can I say I say this but I also begrudged it I put on 16 kilos <laughs> through the IVF journey even though I was doing you know exercises and I was eating healthy I yeah. just whacked on the weight and um, that was that was emotionally challenging too because that contributes also to not good results in in, in trying to, you know, conceive and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was mentally challenging through that particular time. And, and by then um, we had another miscarriage. That was more, um, yeah, that was, uh, was five weeks. Yeah, so that was also we weren't getting along the track further. It was, you know, I had chemical miscarriages and, and yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And by yeah. that stage, you stop talking to people. You stop telling your family. You know, mm-hmm. you shut down and you go, well, what's this all about? You know, um, because, you know, you don't want to upset them or you don't want to give them false hope. Um, so, yeah, it was very, very challenging. And, and it also brought us closer at the same time. Todd and I became very close um, and we kept it from the kids. So it was, it, it, it felt like a silo, you know, struggle. And and thank God I had you guys because I, I felt that's what got me through. And, and it's good to make friends with people who are going along the same journey because they just get you. They just get where you're at. They yeah. just understand your process. They help. And I think that's what got us through. And we've talked about this, I know, Simone, where, you know, it's like, oh, thank God you're here. And, you know, times where we would sit up late at night texting, it was just, you know, just, yeah, blessed to have, you know, you girls to just bounce off. And, And we did. We formed a tight group. And I think that's essential, you know, if you can find a few people that are willing to just reach out and have that, you know, com- compassion and that have that honest conversation about where you're at, it just makes a lot of difference. Um, yeah, definitely. Just having that thing in common, like no one else gets it. They don't truly understand. And then when, yeah, you have friends that oh, know yeah. exactly what you're talking about, exactly what you're going through and being able to bounce ideas off each other, um, you know, supporting each other through miscarriages and failed transfers and, um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very important. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, at the time 
particularly because I was partial um, match in the DQ Alpha, mm. it didn't stop me falling pregnant, you know, even though I didn't fall pregnant yeah. every time. But yeah. but every time I did fall pregnant naturally, I would not see that as an opportunity. I would see this as, oh, no, I'm set yeah. back another month. Yeah, and you know, I remember when you did have your miscarriages, you you never got excited. It's like you just knew that, um, yeah, I think because you're just so matter-of-fact, like no bullshit, yeah. tell it how it is. Yeah. And I just remember you'd be like, oh, I've just found out I'm pregnant. and But there was just no excitement, like it was just taken away from you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I do remember you having those recurrent miscarriages. What did um what did your specialist think of all of that? What was like was did was there sort of did he delve into that in terms of um the reason or was he just thinking well we're already doing IVF we've already done laparoscopy we're already doing um yeah. things for egg quality we're doing the DQ alpha gene treatment like was there anything else to explore? Um. Well, he well he said the fact that I'm falling pregnant is a good sign. Yeah, you know, which is hard uh, to hear, I'm sure. Uh, very hard to hear, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't, you know, I don't know, and I think it's such a unique journey. I don't know what would have been better if not falling mm-hmm. pregnant or falling pregnant, because yeah, knowing that you're going to lose it anyway is just as bad as not falling pregnant. You know, and knowing mm-hmm. your whole cycle's been thrown out again for a month. Um, yeah. And, you know, some women, particularly my age, don't have regular cycles. I mean, one woman at work, you know, mentioned to me, oh, not even knowing I was on this IVF journey, oh, do you think you've hit, you're hitting early menopause? I looked at her dumbfounded thinking, how, how can you even say that to me? Even, uh, you know, yeah, like it was just a shock to yeah. think. You know, and I went to the bathroom and cried my eyes out because yeah. people just, yeah, people just don't understand that, no. you know, we're all on different journeys and even if someone was going through menopause, it's still a different journey to someone not going through menopause and to bring that to a conversation is quite sensitive for women. And as much as, you know, I would have loved to engage in that conversation, I was very vulnerable, very mm. vulnerable. I was very wrong about my age and and what was going on for myself, not having control, not understanding why um, my reports were different per egg collection and why, you know, it was where where we were to go with this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so at that particular time he was not very, uh, my specialist was not very forthcoming in information, just saying, um, Oh, at least you can fall pregnant uh, in, in a nice way. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, you know, not, you know. However, what made it difficult was that after that I decided I would tell him what I needed. This isn't working. We need to up something or we need mm-hmm. to. And that wasn't until we had another two transfers. Um so you transferred they, your PGS embryo that you had from a previous cycle and then yes. the second one that you had from the second cycle? Um, oh, sorry, no. 
right. So mm. we transferred the P, yeah, the genetically tested one, and we lost yeah. that. And then we did. Oh no! Then I had yeah. Then I fell pregnant naturally, and then I lost it. And then he said, "Well, let's do another lot of um, endometriosis um, surgery." Yeah. And then we'll do another egg collection. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, yeah, we didn't use that C grade at that particular point. Yeah. And that's when after the endometriosis, I went back to him and uh, uh, after the endometriosis surgery, I went back to him and I said to him, we need to do something else. And I think I spoke to a few you guys and I, spe- I spoke to getting answers online through Facebook support groups. And one mm-hmm. particular person reached out and said, have you tried testosterone and human growth hormone? And I went, great, no, I haven't <laughs> tried that. Let's yeah. do this because yeah. that helps egg quality, yeah. And we were mm-hmm. on all our supplements through Metagenics with all all doing, as the book said from Rebecca Fett, I think that's how you say it, F-E-T-T. Um, we, yeah, I was, I was super excited that someone reached out and said, hey, have you tried this? So I went back in there trying to take control because, <laughs> like you said, I'm, I am I don't mince my words. <laughs> and I said, can we go on this? And I remember you girls supporting me like, yes, yes, go back and, you know. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. Um, so and I was on – and it takes a little bit of a while. And at that stage I was on other, obviously, immune protocols like Plaquenol and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that di- I didn't really come off. It continued along. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was adding to that. And, you know, as you know, you're up to how many medications and injections? I think it was like, I don't know, was it 10, 12? I'm not oh, something sure. like that between the injections and the pills and the – Oh, this and yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just remember having my <laughs> protocol in the fridge so I would not forget. And, you know, so that way it was in front of me saying, yes, this is what you need to take then. But adding two of more, going to a, 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 you know, a compound chemist, getting my testosterone and then getting the human growth hormone mm-hmm. um, injections, it was, right, let's go along this pathway. So we did that. And got how do we go? We got thirteen eggs. That's right. And we got um, what did we get? Three, four. No, I think we got five. Five eggs. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. How many could eggs. you uh, test? I couldn't test any of them. They were oh, all C okay. grade. Yeah. yeah. So the grading hadn't changed, mm-hmm. um, but we got managed to got we got five. I also had in my I increased my injection um, tr- uh, medication uh, for for growth of my eggs. That medication also changed. I can't mm-hmm. recall what it was, but it also changed and it increased in the dosage stage, which was good um, to try and create more eggs I also went a little bit long with rowing my eggs so I think I was by the time I collected them it was like three or four days longer than the usual egg collection Mm -hmm. which as you can imagine Simone significant pain yes (laughs) yeah however it got me those extra eggs Um, so that 
and then we had to wait again to go get our booster shot for DQ Alpha. So still a lot of waiting. And again, I had a chemical pregnancy. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then by the time we got down to Melbourne, because we went back to, under the IVF specialist down there. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I decided to keep taking testosterone and uh, I did do it a bit longer in my HCG for the next um, cycle because we were taking a break and I yeah. thought, well, I'll try the same medication, which is not recommended. However, being, you know, scientific, more scientist myself and also background of um, clinical nurse specialists, I, I decided to, uh, yeah, continue and we decided we'd have a break. Mm-hmm. And during that break is when I fell pregnant naturally and that's the one that led us to having Vienna today. Oh, wow, that's right. Yeah. So I did a lot of research and study Mm -hmm. on human growth hormone and testosterone taking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that stage I did stay on Plaquenil as well just because of my DQ alpha and if I had an underlying immune, uh, undiagnosed undiagnosed immune things that were flagging in um which I won't go into too much but yeah so we fell we went down to Melbourne to do our because this was a couple of months after obviously not straight up after egg collection so a few months after mm-hmm. we went down and had our booster shot and at that particular time was when she was conceived and then yeah we found out we we're pregnant when we came back so wow yeah yeah I literally this time funnily enough I was excited I don't know if it's because I felt in control and what I was doing Mm -hmm. um but something changed in me and I think I got on the I think I texted you guys straight away but I literally it was so it was so bloody funny I literally because Todd could smell things in Melbourne he said oh (laughs) pregnant you know, yeah. I, I went, don't be silly. And I'm like, oh, please don't. I hope I'm not pregnant. You know, that whole, I hope I'm not pregnant. Anyway, when I got back, I we literally come back and, and that evening we flew in and that night, like I literally came home. I had tests in the drawer and I went straight to the toilet and I could barely get my pants up and I was running down the hall screaming we're pregnant. I yes, I remember me. this. <laughs> I remember this because, yes, you just got back from Melbourne yeah. and you were like, hey, guys, so uh, I'm pregnant. And we were like, what, what? We thought you were, we, you were just going to talk about your Melbourne trip. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. But I still remember like, I mean, obviously us, we were a little bit excited, but you were just your normal, hey, I'm pregnant, not, you know, let's see yeah. how this goes. But, yes, I remember things just continued on yeah and I think like everyone here on this journey um you always have that doubt Mm. you know um because even though I was happy I was pregnant I start crying going oh no you know um I yeah and I think most particularly when you go through losses Mm -hmm. you like you said you just become numb and you just become okay matter of fact and you become what's the next step what's the next step Mm -hmm. am I still pregnant today and and that was a significant journey because 
you know, you reach the seven, eight weeks and, okay, I'm still pregnant. Okay, you know, yeah. what what's next or, or you know, and you, you never, and I can honestly say throughout my whole pregnancy, I was never settled. Mm. I was never settled. Yeah. And, and even though you reach a certain amount of time, um, being older, lots of complications come up and, and so you're kind of going through those emotions with those. Mm-hmm. and. And the complications, I guess, um, was, okay, well, how do we do this or how do we do that um, and how, what do I have to do for that? And and being relatable to my earlier pregnancies, it was completely different. And um, so it was kind of like an, it felt like a fresh pregnancy because it was completely different. Um, so in saying that, I um, had bleeding um earlier on and that heightened me saying oh my gosh I'm about to miscarry and pain Mm. um but I didn't we got through that you know as up the progesterone got through that um and we were put instantly on the immune protocol um when I fell pregnant Uh, and so we were on that protocol until it was about 16 weeks Mm um and then I got gestational diabetes early. So I already had about 16 kilos on me from IVF. So I was very aware I didn't want to put too much more on. Um, and then I got gestational diabetes, I think around the 10-week mark they tested me early, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend being older, getting tested early because it makes a world of difference. Because I, I, it just, yeah, undiagnosed it plays havoc a little bit on your body until you find out oh, that's what's going on you go aha that's what's going on so so you know guy I, I was fortunate I had a great diabetic team that was looking after me and so that you know I was like, going up with medications on that was was significant because I was quite high in my medication mm-hmm. I also suffered from carpal tunnel syndrome both arms that was significant because you couldn't you know the pain and the pins and needles in both arms made you a bit limitless and having braces on them that's um, right I remember you had the the braces on beautiful yes, look Gla- very glamorous <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then uh having sciatica so I just had extreme pain on my hips so I couldn't sleep either side so we had to purchase latex overlay foam that didn't work at all and then I got you know the pregnancy pillow which in hindsight I probably should have got early (laughs) (laughs) but you know um yeah just that was horrific I I hardly slept so you know uh, the pain was horrific I never had any of this with my first pregnancies um you know, and swelling, also swelling and high blood pressure, and that would fluctuate. That was the other things that I went through. But, you know, we were under a specialist, which was good because they got to monitor. I didn't know whether I'd go public, private. I ended up going private, and thank God I did because Vienna was a flood baby. <laughs> we had to drive through flood water to oh, yes. get her out because, unfortunately, my placenta deteriorated. So that was, you know... That was, yeah, it just, I guess, it, it, yeah, it didn't stop with with different complications that were happening along the way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and 
Yeah, I definitely didn't experience any of that with the other pregnancies. Um, but, you know, in all the the um, downwardness of that, there was excitement, you know, it was Todd's first baby. I was excited to have a baby again, you know. I was, I yeah, I was really loving the fact that we, we were having a baby and the kids, you know, when we told them they were all excited, which was lovely. And it's a different shape of having a united family when you've got older kids because they just, you know, people go, oh, you must love it. Your kids must help you out. And it's like, no, they don't. It's a different help though, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a different engagement with with seeing, you know, your older kids engage with a little baby because, you know, they, they – yeah, they just love her and they, <laughs> they're forever taking photos and whatnot and holding her if she needs to be held. But they've got their lives too, you know, and people tend to forget older kids uh, do go out a lot and they do their lives around their friends. And, and so a lot of the time it's just me, Todd, and Vienna, um, which Vienna doesn't mind, but, <laughs> yeah, she loves it when they come home and, you know, they just make such a big deal about her. It's beautiful to see. Yeah. I guess I, I definitely wasn't expecting the comments I did get, you know. Um, fortunately, I, I um, you know, roll with it a little bit, but a lot of comments of, oh, my God, wow, you know, how could you do this again? Or, oh, I could never go back and do it again, you know, that kind oh, of comment. People just don't think, hey, because they don't know how – hard you fought for Vienna and the journey that you took like it was yeah people just yeah it's often just you know a little offhanded comment and they just don't realize yeah exactly what you've gone through and I I mean you would just sort of laugh it off but really you're like shut up yeah (laughs) you have no idea yeah I mean yeah statistically uh, through the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, mm. one in four women are over 35 having yeah. babies and 20 per thousand are over 40. So it's yeah. not uncommon yeah. really. It's not common but it's not uncommon. And yeah. but the mindset and the culture around that is still set as if it's completely foreign. Or yeah. people who have older kids that are friends of mine um, – you know, would say, oh, my God, what's it like to be back there? I could never go back there. It's not going back there. In, just think, continuing your family. Yeah. It's yeah. like a fresh start. Yeah. It's, it's not rerunning your history. It's like I've had two lives in the one, really, but the continuation of the first life. It's it's a yeah. beautiful it's a beautiful thing having – being older, you, you're a lot more relaxed. You're a lot more – you have time, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I still wanted to, you know, I was still wanting to go out and I didn't know who I was. I always say with my eldest, Maya, I grew up with her. She and I grew together, totally different journey. Now I see Vienna and I feel like I'm the best version of me as a mother and I totally can give her my all, whereas I didn't 
feel sure when I was younger. I never mm-hmm. felt quite sure. And a lot of influential people, you know, would say, oh, you know, oh, you should do this or you should do that. Oh, you know, you know, I got mastitis with my because she had a tongue tie. You know, I should have really went on antibiotics early, but everyone's telling me, oh, no, you shouldn't. You should do, you know, the cabbage leaves and things like that. <laughs> Well, there's no cabbage leaves going on these breasts with the, with this age. It would be definitely <laughs> antibiotics. Not that yeah. I needed it. I was very lucky. I got to breastfeed her and whatnot. But you know, you're just more sure of yourself. You just, you know, it also comes with having children previously, as you know, Simone. You're more sure after having that first one. But as an older woman, yeah, you love every minute, and you. You tend to what, what I tend to do is, um, re- you know, yeah, I just relish every minute, every stage, every yeah, the fact that she's still little because it goes so quick, and it's just yeah, it's like having a second life with her, you know, but being sure of myself and being relaxed and being happy and just sitting on the floor and letting days go by, whereas. That didn't happen when I was younger because I had to get back to work quick and I, you know, yeah, I had to, yeah, life was busy. I'm not saying life's not busy now. <laughs> but yeah, Different kind of busy. Different kind of busy, yeah. But I definitely think if I had, yeah, if I had to think about my challenges would have been physical, yeah, a lot of physical you know, because your mind's not thinking oh, your body won't cope and my body didn't cope that well. Um, you know, I I still have ongoing problems now and she's eight months old that I am now um, obviously doing things like clinical Pilates and things like that to try and build up my strength and and get healthier. You know, losing weight's top priority. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a different journey. Um, I still have times where when I see things on TV or um, where women go through hardship or pregnancy or hearing other people's journey, I still get emotional because I don't think that ever leaves you. um, It doesn't. Yeah. I think that journey and the losses um, is quite, yeah, quite traumatic and though I'm blessed uh, to have Vienna I yeah I definitely still carry that um, experience and, and emotion of that experience with me yeah so yeah it's it's definitely a journey I think that uh, that's unique and and yeah and, and I just wish, obviously, the best outcome for everybody, as we all do. But, um, yeah, I d- yeah, it's, yeah. I d- With my um, family, they all thought I was going to have a boy, but I had another girl. So I've got four girls. I specialise in girls. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a pro with girls. Yeah. Um, I think I already know the answer, but are you having any more children? No. No. I definitely, after I had Vienna, I thought, oh, my God, I could do this again. <laughs> so what was going on? But I was yeah. like, oh, because she's such a good baby. She's such a blessing. She's just, 
so cruisy and so happy and yeah I love it and I thought oh, I could do this again but then I also remembered what it was like to have three children under four <laughs> and then have three you know have a have my life as a single parent with three children that was that was tough and I remember thinking you know I because I had twins second I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't have individual time with them so life was busy and I just think no one's one's good we're lucky to have one you know we're, we're blessed to have one and w- along the journey I didn't think I was going to fall pregnant in fact I, I think in my mind I had a cutoff limit of of time so I could be okay with that you know yeah. because I couldn't leave that door open because that would just I, I this is my own experience I couldn't leave that door open I, I felt I had to have a cutoff journey um, that was enough eggs that we collected and if we'd ran out that was it and I think you know a lot of people do you need like have, have had that cutoff journey I've read a lot of posts and it it's to for me it was to a being older and I didn't want to be older where not that I didn't feel that I could could give my all because I can keep up with her I I'm you know you you are you 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 don't there's nothing different there you know I get up you know I didn't I don't feel being older has caused any change in the way I've parent or me as a mother because yeah it's 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 beautiful and, and I'm right there however I didn't want to get older in to the point where what if something happened to me and I missed out on her life and that that was a personal journey for me and how would I cope if we kept getting a collection and I wasn't able to fall pregnant yeah. how was I mentally going to cope with that so if I put in a time selection there I felt well then that's okay I've given it my best shot and and as I said to you before, we did the natural therapies, we read books, we read research articles, you know, um, jumped into, you know, because I was at uni, I'm still at uni doing PhD. So I got access to all different articles to work out what's the best formula to try and combat this. Um, so it kept me busy. and But at the same time, I knew I had a cut off time for me personally. Yeah, I remember having this conversation with you actually before you fell pregnant with Vienna. You sort of like, you know, I can't keep doing egg collections. I can't keep, you know, I don't know how many more miscarriages I can have. And I do remember you kind of, yeah, you gave yourself that, yeah, sort of end of the, yeah, timeline, I guess. Yeah. Yes, I accepted there's going to be an end point. Yeah. No, I, I had that acceptance, you know, I've given it a lot. And I don't know if that's because I've got three older kids, I could give that to myself. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, like I said, it's a personal decision. Um, and maybe that was. However, Todd was more more relaxed and more accepting if we didn't have kids than I was. Mm. Even though I had an end point, I wasn't accepting yeah. that I couldn't have another child. You know, um, so yeah, it's interesting, very interesting. Um, 
and there's yeah there's lots of benefits to being that older mum too like I said you know I've taken a year off for her I love having days with her with you know walking exploring the world I love that time with her you know I love the fact that I know who I am and I know what I can give her you know it's just yeah it's beautiful being that old mother and the comments that have flown my way um I you know has given tears at different points however it hasn't affected me as a mother which is which is the most important thing you know and hasn't affected our relationship you know she's our world along with obviously my other three kids but yeah having that time's precious so yeah it's yeah I yeah I definitely you know think it's good to talk about IVF as an older woman in their 40s moving through their 40s um, and and the difficulties you know but also the wins you know? definitely you've definitely given if there's anyone listening out there you know that is you know 40 or older I think you've definitely given some hope and I think you know it's a good message of um, you know doing your own research asking questions um, and working alongside your fertility specialist in terms of your treatment planner yeah you're the best advocate for your body and your treatment planner because if you don't talk up or if you don't say well okay well something's not right let's look into it before you know it a year goes past and Mm -hmm. you you know you, you like you time's precious when you're in your 40s um for egg quality and things like that and what your next stage and plan is so you're your best advocate I mean really you're your best advocate any age through IVF journey but but it's definitely doing the research um helped a lot and speaking to other people who are are, you know in Facebook 40 plus IVF journeys and listening to what they've implemented in their um, planners is important as well so I think um, and just yeah staying positive which is really hard to do but yeah staying positive is, is something that you know we all have to try and achieve <laughs> um, but my relationship was got really strong Todd and I became really strong which yeah, which was beautiful. I mean, it's still strong now, but yeah, we were each other's advocate, which was really good. So that's important as well. Yeah, nice. One last question. I don't think I've actually spoken to anyone about this. Your frozen embryos, what is your plan for them? Oh gosh, I'm funny you say that to me <laughs> because we just got that email saying that we're due to pay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we've had this conversation earlier on in mm-hmm. in together, but I just can't. I just can't get rid of them. I just yeah. can't make a decision right now. Yeah. And to me, even though I know I'm, I I've finished. There's still, I don't think I've ever fully gone, right, I'm done. Like I've never felt that fully, I'm complete. Mm -hmm. And so, and I can't, yeah, I just can't make a decision on what to do right now. And 
yeah, that's which is sad, but that's yeah where I'm at. I think eventually, obviously, we'll need to make a decision and of what to do. But, yeah, um, yeah. At this stage, in in my head, to say that's it, even though I've just said it, that's it. We're not having any more. But to feel the whole emotion of that, I can't say that yet. Um, but it is, you know, we have to. Yeah, we have to count blessings. We've got Vienna, and yeah, I, d- I don't think my body will cope. But I can't make a decision on my embryos, so yeah, yeah that's all right. They can just sit there and keep paying the the fees every six months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've still got a couple sitting there too, and um, we're not planning to extend our family. And um, but yeah, I just they'll sit there for a little bit longer. Um, yeah. I think oh, we were talking about donating them. Yes. I just, I don't know, I'd have to, I don't know if we'd go down that path, but that was sort of what Stuart was, he sort of talked to me about that, was it last year or something? But I think I like the idea of um, putting the embryos in jewellery or a pot plant or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like they're they're mine, and yeah. I just I think like you just I don't know I just don't think I could just discard them. Like I feel like they need to just come yeah. back to me. I think as well because yeah. the few embryos I have left, they're the same. Um, they're from the same collection as Genevieve and Max, so I just feel like they're just extra special and then just kind of yeah a part of me the other thing I did um read the other day I think it's a little bit controversial but since we're on the topic um you can actually pay for like a frozen embryo cycle but you don't do any of the um the medications and then you just have them transferred back that makes oh, sense. Wow. So you yeah. just have a transfer, but it would somehow be timed that there was no way they would implant. I don't know. Oh, I think wow. I feel a bit weird about that. So yeah. I think I just maybe I think I'll go the jewelry way. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because I went through that upsetting stage of oh my god, we've fallen pregnant naturally. Um you know, I've got I think three embryos there, mm. you know, what am I going to do with those embryos? I, you know what I mean? Because in my mind it's like, you know, potential out little babies, you know, and and then falling pregnant naturally I felt injustice to them because I felt yeah. pregnant naturally. Yeah. And yeah. no one prepares you for that when you're That's on this journey. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, yeah I wow. did. Yeah, yeah, and I, I so that was another little hurdle I had to emotionally go through when I was pregnant with Vienna because mm-hmm. I felt like I've cheated the fact that I've got three potential, you know, babies waiting there for me, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, uh, it's, yeah, like I said, it's it's a personal thing and it's something that you're not prepared for, but that's the honest thing that came out of me. I wasn't prepared that was going to happen mm-hmm. and, it, yeah, it did. And so there's still that little bit of, 
I don't know what to do, but I never knew about the jewelry. That's amazing. That's such a beautiful thing to do as well. You know, I'll, um, I'll send you some more info. There's a couple of um, companies in Australia that do it. I don't know the logistics of it all, like because you'd have to take the embryos from your, the clinic, but I don't know the cost. I don't know what it comes in, but the people that – uh do the jury so they'll do they do like keepsake jury so they do breast milk um hair uh ashes embryos all sorts of stuff so they would know the ins and outs um you know and like the legal side of things and the logistics of you know pulling embryos out of a uh, an IVF clinic and making jewelry but yeah I'll um I'll send you some more information. Or we'll talk about it tomorrow at lunch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The other thing also is to be mindful um, when we're talking about, you know, how we had a chat about whether we donate our embryos to other families that Mm. other couples like There is that cutoff limit and, you know, the qualification of um, being, me being older, there is that cutoff limit of, of, you know, um, donating embryos and things like that, which Mm -hmm. is to be considered when donating embryos as well um, if in case someone is um, wondering you know can an older woman donate her embryos well uh, every I think clin- some clinics are a little bit different but yeah there, there is a certain cutoff because at one point my sister offered to give me her eggs but she was um, she's only 16 months older than me and she wasn't allowed to so mm-hmm. you know um, that's also you know, mindful to consider being older and, you know, if having that supportive people are going to give you their eggs and whatnot or donate their embryos. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I know we've been talking about it for many months now. So, yeah, it was really cool to um, share your story. And little Vienna is so cute. Hopefully we can yeah. share some photos of her as well because she is just a little doll. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, if there's any questions, obviously, um, that come to you um, after this, I'd be more than happy to answer or, you know, you can chat on your social media page. Would love to help anyone out there or if they've got a question. Awesome. Love it. Thank you, Ali. Thank you.